0: How are we doing this morning? Good. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Um, There's two ways to look at trials, right? This morning, we got a... Beatty's on the floor. In fact, I got a phone call from Carrie, which that makes you know. Beatty wanted to be here, but she told him he couldn't, right? (laughs) But he was on the floor in pain, so we're going to pray for him. But as I'm walking into the church this morning, my house is hemorrhaging, like literally... We hear some, uh, the plumbing's not working well this morning, okay? So this is what we know. We're going in the right direction, right? You don't play football and realize, man, they're hitting harder. We must be going in the wrong direction. No, we're going exactly where we're supposed to be going, okay? So this morning, this must be a word for y'all, right? Because the enemy is trying to push against it. I mean, even Carolina won last night. All hell breaking loose. Back in the spirit. All right. Let's pray real quick. Father, help us this morning hear from you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for the promises of God that all things work together for our good. For those who love you and are called according to your purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The little things. The little things this morning. We've been doing a series called The Little Things, and Pastor Keith, if y'all were here last week, did an amazing job. If you weren't here last week, go back and listen to that sermon. It'll, it'll light your fire. Um, and he talked about a small, seemingly in, inconspicuous meal that some teammates had with him and shared the gospel of Jesus that radically changed his life. It was a small meal. It was a little thing. But he gave his life to Jesus. It reconciled his marriage, and then years later, he was able to lead a church plant and plant churches all over the world, really, because of a meal, a little thing. And I, I read this quote a few weeks ago, but I want to remind ourselves of it. We've fallen into the conventional thinking that a big mission demands big tactics, but we forget that in the economy of God's kingdom, big does not beget big. It's precisely the opposite. The overwhelming message of Jesus' life and teaching is that the small begets big. Consider God's plan to redeem creation, big, in is achieved through the incarnation of an impoverished baby, small. Jesus feeds thousands on a hillside with just a few uh, fish and loaves. Christ seeks to make disciples of all nations and he starts with a handful of fishermen. Even Goliath is defeated by David with a few small stones. This pattern is also repeated in Jesus' parables about the nature of his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of a mustard seed that a man took and shoved in the earth or sowed, it is the smallest of all seeds. But even but when it is grown, it is the large larger than all the garden plants. It becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. All of this confirms the counterintuitive nature of God's kingdom. Small things make a big difference. Small things make a big difference. In two thousand, I think it was six, might have been two thousand nine. Uh, the, the British government was trying to uh, receive the taxes due them, owed them. And so they would send out a letter every year. Um, Roger Trapp wrote an article in Forbes magazine about this. And what they found out was they, they, they hired a consulting firm and they said, if you'll add this phrase, you'll get a bigger return. And so they, every year they'd send out a letter and they get about 58% of those who owed taxes to pay their taxes within the year. But then they added this phrase and that, that percentage jumped from 58 to 89%, which, you know, materialized into about 400 million million, one One phrase. And it wasn't, we're going to come to your house and take you to prison. Okay. It wasn't that. They've, they've tried, they had the legislation already in place. You know what the phrase was? Uh, your other countrymen, the most of them, are paying their taxes. Just the phrase that others were doing it caused them, well, I want to do it. You know, And so they pay it, jump. So one phrase increased just a mere $400 million. I'd like that kind of influence. <laughs> What's the point? The point is, small things can make a big difference. And so this morning, I want to talk about the small thing called fasting. Fasting. Now, just think of this. How many meals in your life have you eaten? How many will you eat? Some of us have eaten more than others. And it's not just because of our age, right? We like food. But one meal, just think of, just take one meal out. Don't eat and give that meal to the Lord. That's that's called a fast. So this morning, I'm going to read out of Luke chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, and this is what it says. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during his fast. I'm sorry, during those days. Now, Matthew calls this a fast because Matthew's writing to Jews. And when he says fast, the Jews know he's not eating. But Luke is writing to Gentiles. And he says, hey, just so y'all know, they're not eating food. So Jesus ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. That was the underestimation of a lifetime right there, right? (laughs) Forty days, no food, and he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Now we know that Jesus responds to these temptations by quoting Scripture. And he goes through three sets of uh, temptations. And then he comes to the end of verse 13. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and reported And a report about him went through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Jesus fasted. So I want to look at three points this morning. Okay? First is this. Fasting is training. Before Jesus entered into his ministry, he fasted. He trained. You train before the event, before the thing. Now, Jesus was walking into a public ministry. He had been baptized. The Bible said the Spirit fell on him. He heard the affirmation of the Father, and then the Holy Spirit leads him into the desert to fast and train for his ministry. Fasting is training. Now, we, we saw here that this means no food. Now, I've done fast. I'll do a social media fast. Or I'll fast a particular type of food. And that's fine. I've done that before and we'll do that again. That has benefit to me. But the fasting we're talking about here is to abstain from food. To abstain from food. In fact, this was so important that it's mentioned in the Bible more than baptism. We're going to baptize some folks this morning. That's a foundation to your faith. But the word fasting is mentioned more often than baptism. Did y'all know that? Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say, guys, if you feel like it, fast. He said, when you fast. Why, why is it so essential to our life to fast? Because it's training. An action or teaching a person or an animal, a particular skill, or type of behavior. Something's happening in fasting that's preparatory to follow Jesus. Something happens in fasting that's preparatory to following Jesus. Now, I played baseball. Anybody play baseball? A few of us. There's even some catchers in our midst. Isn't there some catchers back there? I think there's two in the back section, Oh, three. 3 Okay, we got three catchers. Now, as a catcher, in my opinion, the hardest part of catching is to block a ball, right? Because if they throw you the ball, you can catch it. But if they throw it in the dirt, that's a little harder. Now, you would think when a a ball is being thrown at you 80 plus miles per hour, it's a hard object, your instincts tell you to get out of the way, Right? Not like throwing and catching. That's one thing. I have a glove for that. But if it's in the dirt, to throw my body on top of the ball, smother it so that it doesn't get by me. That's, so I didn't like that part of playing catcher. So my dad decided, hey, man, we're going to train you to block a ball. So he took the pitching machine out, and shot it in the dirt at 80 miles per hour, This is how this is old school training. Now stop that ball. No, you know. (laughs) That hurts. Now tell me, don't tell me how. Just figure it out, son. You know, don't get up until you can do it. So throwing it, there was this training. Now why? Because that was actually gonna happen in a game when it mattered. So I'm training myself to do instinctively what I don't want to do for a greater reward. Fasting is training. Now, good training prepares us for what we will face. Now, Corey has a brother who's a Navy SEAL. They have Bud's training. I think we've got some photos of that. Uh, bud's training is hard. It's one of the hardest trainings on the planet. Now, that training is designed for their benefit. Why? Because they're going to face this when it matters. When their life is on the line. It would be unkind of us not to put them through that training and then demand them to do it. Hey, you know, we got to make this a little easier. I don't want to hurt your feelings. And then you go to war and you don't have the internal fortitude or the strength to resist. Fasting is training to follow Jesus. Because this is what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, a couple chapters later. And he said this, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. What, What do you think that feels like? Fasting? Deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Whoever would save his life will lose it, Whatever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now, training for what? What does this train us for? Philippians 3, 18 says this, For many of whom I've often told you and now even tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, they're not enemies of Jesus. They love Jesus. Most in this culture would say Jesus is awesome on some level. But here's what they are enemies of. The cross of Christ, the the sacrifice, the the what does it take to follow Him? The denial of self, and this is how we know, because it says their end is, the, is their destruction, their God is their belly. The NIV says their God is their appetite. Their God is their appetite. What is an appetite? It's it's a feeling, isn't it? I'm hungry. Sometimes it's not even a conscious feeling. You just get irritable. Y'all ever met hangry people? They get hangry. You got any hangry people in the audience? There's a few of us. There's some in our family. They've remain name, nameless. They might have been on the second row. Look, they get angry. Right? They're not thinking, I'm going to get angry because I'm hungry. It just is a, a natural response. So an appetite is something that you feel. It's hard to kind of put your, your words around it, but you're like, I want something. But it's, it's for something specific because you've been in that moment. I know I have, where like, I don't feel like Mexican right now. You know, I'm not, I don't feel like uh, pizza right now. I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't have an appetite for that. Now, my father would tell me that I wasn't hungry, right? Y'all, anybody raised old school? If you, you're not hungry for that, you ain't hungry. You ain't hungry enough. Right? But we do have this appetite that we desire something and then we want to go get it. And the Bible says, and our culture will even train us this way if you desire it, you should have it. If you desire it, it's good for you to have it. But fasting then trains us because Jesus said to follow him means to deny yourself. To have a feeling and then say no to it. Doesn't, has fa- anybody ever fasted? Isn't that what it's like? I wanna eat now! And then you look at your spouse or your accountability partner and be like, we, we said four, right? No, no, we said tomorrow. Oh, it's been two hours, like I wanna eat, right? So we're, we're, we have this feeling in fasting and we want to fulfill that feeling and the fasting helps us to say no. Why? Because that trains us. Now, when we feel something in the natural, we don't just do it. We take a step back and say, Jesus, is this feeling something that you want me to fulfill? How about that? That's the denial of self. That's following Jesus. That's been taking up your cross and following him. Their God is their belly. They... Su- uh, verse uh, Romans 16:18 says this, "For such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Fasting helps us not serve to know what it feels like not to serve the appetite. That's what fasting does. It's training. It's training. To follow Jesus is to submit our desires and our wants to his lordship. Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus isn't my companion to follow me around and bless with holy water everything I want to do. He's there to call the shots. So it's to submit my desires and wants to his lordship. I have to then take my desires, my wants, even my attractions to Jesus and lay them at his feet. To Jesus, is this what you want from me? That's why fasting is so powerful. It's a training device because it takes a good and natural desire for food and teaches us to say no. Belly, desire, you're not my God. God is my God. Now, fasting is not in, indefinite. Fasting has an end. It also teaches us delayed gratification. We all need that. To say, you know what? God's saying yes to food, but I want you to not now. Feel that. So, because I'm going to ask you to say not now. I'm going to say not now to you in the future. Anybody who's followed Jesus long for today, God said not now. If you haven't heard not now, you haven't followed Jesus. Honestly, if God just agrees with everything you want to do, that's not the Lord. Now, the Lord tells me I can do a lot of things. He just doesn't tell me I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want to do it. And fasting helps us with that. Second thing we see about fasting is that fasting is transcendent. There's a good word for you. Transcendent, which means above or beyond the range of normal and merely human physical experience. It's transcendent. It it does something supernatural. It does something spiritual. Fasting does that. Now, a couple years ago, I had this um, pain in my toe. It was like excruciating. I felt like my toe was going to explode from the inside out. And so, you know, I did whatever he got, did. I held on as long as I could before I went to the doctor, right? And it quelled, and then I just, oh, it went away. So I lived for about two more years with a large toe, larger than normal, which was already larger than normal, and now it's really large. <laughs> so if you saw a few weeks ago, I was walking around with a boot, and what they did was they went in and they did an MRI. Okay, they... they Figured out what was wrong with my toe, and they said it was a cyst. They went in there, and they got it, and they took it out. Now, I don't know anything about an MRI machine. Anybody know much about an MRI machine? I don't know really how it works. There might be like 2% of us could actually articulate the words that are supposed to be used to articulate what an MRI machine is. I don't have those words, okay? But I received the benefit from the MRI machine. I don't know why fasting works the way it does. I really don't. But it works. Yes. It's something transcendent about it. That when we deny ourselves and then in that moment turn to God and say, Just like I need food, I need you. Yes. And we pray and we we lay down our desires and pick up his, he does something supernatural. It's transcendent. I don't know how it works. Some of us might, but it works. Now, we see this in this passage here. Jesus fasts, and then the enemy shows up and tempts. Something very supernatural happened. Jesus fasted, and the enemy showed up and said, what are you doing? What are you doing? Started tempting him. In fact, Jesus at one point was walking down the Mount of Transfiguration with the, the, the three and the other disciples are there and they're trying to cast a, a demon out of this young boy, and they can't do it. And Je- you know what Jesus says? This kind comes out, comes out only by prayer and fasting. There's something that fasting does supernaturally that won't happen without it. Now, it could be in us, it could be in the atmosphere, it could be in that moment, but it happens. It's spiritual. Daniel fasted in Daniel chapter 9. And it said the an angel showed up and gave him a word, an insight. He needed in that moment to move forward. It was supernatural. Fasting is transcendent. I remember as a college sophomore, um, a group of college students here at East Carolina went to a conference called Campus Harvest, and there was about 1,500 college students on fire for Jesus, I remember Beatty and I sitting in the back and knew, knowing this conference was coming. I was a sophomore. I had to declare my major. I had to decide whether I was going to date this young lady. I had a list of seven things. And so I just impulsively, I don't know if I had any reason, but I said, I'm going to fast seven days for these seven things and we'll go to this conference and see what God does. You know what? After that conference, God answered every one of those requests. Every one, I remember. And I, that day God opened my eyes to the power of fasting. But you want to know why I fasted? I, I just remember, just now actually, I was at a conference, this, this thing called the call. It was in Washington, D.C. And I remember this high school student, and I was in college at the time. This high school student gets up on stage. He had long hair to hear. He said, I used to play baseball. And I felt like God told me to lay that down and fast for 40 days that God would bring revival in our country. And I just remember, baseball was my God. It was everything to me. And looking at him as a high school, I just wept And his passion and his commitment to fast. I'm like, there must be something to do because that boy started praying and I just started weeping. It was transcendent. So I gotta give me some of that. I fasted. Fasting is transcendent. Finally, fasting is transformational. Fasting is transformational. It changes us. I told you how it trains us and how it's transcendent, but it also transforms us. It transforms us and it transforms the atmosphere. I already told you in uh, Daniel chapter 9, Daniel's in... Uh, in captivity, he's confused because uh, I think at the time, the time of exile was supposed to be over and it wasn't over. And so he fasted and he prayed, God, why isn't it over? And God showed up and gave him a word in that moment. It's what he needed to make it to the end of the exile. Esther chapter four, she at a moment where her countrymen were on the verge of annihilation. And she was provoked. All of us need a good coach, a good uh, mentor. She was like, I don't want to go. They might kill me. He said, if you don't go, God will judge you. And she said, I'll go (laughs) for such a time as this, you know. And so she said, I'll go, but everyone fast. Tell all the Jews to fast. And then she walks in to the king's chamber, which means imminent death. And he pardoned her, and she paved the way for redemption for the people of Israel. A type of Christ she was, because Jesus would go before the Father, and he would pardon him, not with a wand, but with his death, blood, and resurrection. Ezra, in chapter 9, got permission to rebuild the temple, and then he was going to bring his family back to the temple that they had rebuilt. But he didn't want to ask the king for protection because he said, My God will protect me. So what did he do? They called a fast. And they went without soldiers across many countries, with their families and their livelihoods in tow, untouched, transformed. Fasting transforms us and it transforms situations. We are currently, right now, in the largest Christian fast in the, in the year, called Lent. It's a time of fasting and self-denial from the Ash Wednesday to Holy Thursday, minus the Sundays. And it's a time to, in preparation, to celebrate Jesus' coming. His his resurrection. It's a time of fasting. You see, Jesus trained because he knew there would come a time that he would be facing something that everything inside of him didn't want to do. And I, I bet he remembered those 40 days without food and was like, okay, this is what that feels like. As he faces the cross. He would die for our sins in our place. Fasting was transcendent because it wasn't just about Him. His death wasn't just a model for us to self denial. His death purchased something for us that we couldn't purchase for ourselves. It was bigger than Him. It bought our access to God, it bought our identity, it bought our redemption. And it was transformational because all who would put faith in Christ alone will never be the same. Will never be the same. You can't meet Jesus and then live how you've always lived. You can't see what he's done for you and Jesus step inside of you and make you born again and say, I do what I want. That doesn't happen. You bow before him. Say, my life is yours. That's why baptism is so poignant and so critical because what we're saying is I'm, I'm identifying with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I put my faith in what he did. Baptism doesn't save you. Jesus saves you. And because he saved me, I will be baptized. Mm-hmm. Baptism is powerful. Yes, it is. It's a public commitment. It's a public acknowledgement. I'm going to follow Jesus. I want everyone to know. as we close this morning this part of the service before we go into baptisms here's my challenge to us we've got a couple weeks before Easter now if you're talk to your medical doctor you know I gotta say this if you if you physically have issues that you need to talk to your doctor about then do that but here's my challenge if you've never fasted before take one meal I'll suggest lunch. Get up, get a good breakfast, and then don't eat again until dinner. Feel that. If you've never done it before, do that. It'll help you if your doctor gives you the okay. Now, there's something inside of us that rages against that. I and mean, I can think in my own mind all the excuses of why I shouldn't do that. I Man, I work out a lot, you know. And uh, I am coach a baseball team. You know, and I'm thinking of all the reasons why I shouldn't do that. And then I come back to this, when you fast. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe that's easy for you. And maybe do a 24-hour fast or, or whatever. But here's my thing. I want to encourage you. It's the little things that make a big difference. I don't think there's any coincidence, all hell's breaking loose this morning, around this passage around this challenge. This little thing of fasting stirs our enemy because it scares him. Now look, I don't scare anybody. Maybe my kids on occasion. Thank you, Wyatt. But there's something about Aligning our heart to Jesus, making room for Jesus in our lives. And sometimes we're so busy, the only time we can make room for Jesus is just stop eating. And instead of eating, read your Bible and pray. And things happen. What would happen if a church the size of ours fasted and prayed not once a year on a regular basis? think our hearts would be opened our minds would be opened our lives would be open to God there's a sensitivity to the spirit that happens when we fast again I don't know why I just know I hear him I see him probably because I'm desperate for him right let's pray Father thank you this morning for your goodness thank you Lord for this tool that we have a love-hate relationship with called fasting. And Lord, I pray that as we fast, we would see your beauty and your glory. That when we fast, we would remember Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, and the power of the Holy Spirit that rests on us and lives in us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here this morning, you're saying, Blake, I've never submitted to Jesus as the Lord and master of my life. And I want to get right with God this morning. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Raise it high. If you're ready to make that decision today. Amen, you can put your hands down. Saying, so Blake, I want to ask another thing. I so said, Blake, if you're ready this morning, saying, so Blake, I, I know I need to um, maybe lean into fasting for the first time. Or in this season, I just feel like Jesus asking me to fast. If that's you, I want you to, just to make a commitment to the Lord between you and Jesus. I'm not even looking. Raise your hand up. My head is down, my eyes are closed. I want you to make this commitment between you and the Lord. You can put your hand down. Lord, you see every hand and every heart in here. Lord, help us to lean more into you in this season. To train because you're asking us to do something in the earth. May fasting help us, better equip us to do it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. James, if we want to go ahead and uh, prep that uh, baptismal pool. If you're getting baptized, if you can come forward, sit on the front row. you want to say something this morning? Heather wanted to share a little bit of her testimony, what's on her heart this morning. Of course. Al. You talking about Al? Yeah. I didn't hear. No, no, it's fine.
1: I'm just gathering myself, but um, very few people in this room know my full testimony, but I've had the privilege and the honor of having some very special women in this congregation here in my heart over the years, and um, so I'm going to try to summarize it as quickly as I can. I was raised in a Christian family, very blessed to be raised in a Christian family. I have one brother. He's younger than I am. Um, growing up, just super even keel. The joke at my high school was that we were like the leave it to beaver family, like just nothing big or anything like that. Just a real smooth, easy growing up. And um, I was in a tiny little church. So I guess one of the things when I look back that I see that I wish I would have had is I did not have a youth group and I did not have a youth pastor challenging me and speaking into me. When I was younger, um, my parents were of the generation where you don't talk a whole lot about the hard issues. So we didn't talk a lot about hard issues growing up. I didn't really date in high school. I was a cheerleader. I was in a lot of activities, but I didn't really date. Just my my own choice. And when I got to college, um, I went away to college in another state. And I met someone when I was a sophomore. Um, He was really my first boyfriend. And I um, got engaged to him about a year later. And um, we got married the following summer, which would have been before my senior year of college. And within about a month, that marriage became very hurtful. It was hurtful mentally and emotionally. And it was even hurtful physically. Um, within um, about six months, I even had a broken arm, and about a, a month or two after that I found out I was expecting my son Aaron, and Aaron was born the following Christmas, and within a few weeks after Aaron's birth, I finally ended that marriage and asked him to please leave, and I must admit that, um, I didn't consult the Lord well or do pastoral counseling or anything before that marriage. Even being raised a Christian, I didn't do that. And I've gone back and dealt with so much shame and regret of not doing that. And after that marriage ended as a single mom for about nine years, I did not make wise choices because I felt very damaged and hurt. I did not date wisely. I, I did not make wise choices, and um, for over twenty years now, I have dealt with the shame and regret of that, and it has just been a chain around my neck. And if you have heard my story or listened to my heart, you can hear that inside of me, because I love to serve the Lord. I just like He was so faithful during those years of my twenties. When um, I was making unwise choices and trying to make any kind of sense of what had just happened, Um, two things, I was consistently in church and consistently in Bible studies and growing so much in my understanding, but still making bad choices. That's very confusing to look back on, but at the same time, this, this gentleman beside me was being raised up in faith. I didn't know him at the time, but God was raising him up and um, he heard a speaker when he was very early on in his faith. And that speaker challenged him, challenged the men to, uh, I don't even know honestly if he challenged you. He maybe have just given his testimony that he wrote a note to his wife every day of their marriage, every day of their marriage. who literally has my back was being raised up in faith and when I met him nine and a half years later at some point in there he told me that this challenge was given to him and he was going to accept that and um, every day of our marriage he has written me a note and this is the tiny box. I have boxes in our attic. We've been married almost 16 years, and God knew that I needed some tangible grace in my life who would um, show me that even though I'm a doer and I'm a list maker and I need to make sense of things and understand, and I've struggled with that for a real long time, that He gave me grace in person because i'm kind of stubborn i guess to accept that intangible grace to just write me a note every single day and women don't elbow your husbands right now please (laughs) Um, this this just shows god's faithfulness to me and what i needed and it has given me such confidence and foundation over these 16 years And just little bits of building me up and building me up and building me up. And I'm not there. I'm so not there. But very recently, um, someone that I love with every breath inside of me made some very poor choices. And they came to me and then my husband and they were just crushed because of the choices they made devastated. I mean, there was torment. You could just see it. It was just eating them alive. And it was me. I mean, that looked like me. And all I wanted to do in that moment was take it away. I wanted to take away all that guilt, and I wanted to take away all that hurt, and I wanted to take away all that shame from that person because I loved them so much. I did not want them to be burdened any longer. I wanted them to be free from that. And it was like about a week later, I was standing in my bathroom and I had Caleb on and I, I don't even know what song it was. I just stood against the counter and I was like, Heather, that is what God is trying to show you. Like he doesn't want you to have those chains and that burden you've kept for 20 something years. He wants you to be lavished, like with the love that you wanna lavish your loved one with. It was just like an in-person thing. And so, this last month or so that I've been experiencing that is where I really just decided I, Meta uses this is Al Medha. You guys call him Al, I call him Meta. That's kind of confusing. Sorry, um, Meta just keeps saying receive, Heather, just receive. And this morning, one of the songs was receive freedom, yeah, receive freedom, yeah. and that's that's part of my journey right now. I got baptized when I was eight or nine. I don't remember that, I was little. Um, you don't have to get re-baptized, I know that. But for me, I am so ready to let go of those chains. Yes. I have yes. been yes. just oh, weighed up. down for like 25 years. That's wow. a long time, that's like multiple of your guys' lives. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna be 48 this week, 48, that's a long time. And I'm just ready to be freed of the burden of feeling guilty. I have to show you this. This is my Bible. I know that this is kind of like me in person right there. Um, the guys have given me two other Bibles in the last couple of years, a study Bible and a new Bible. I still use this Bible. Because I know where everything is in here. I know where everything is. And... Um, I can't get rid of it, I just can't. But the last thing I just wanted to say was, when my loved one came to me um, a few weeks ago, they said you know, that they were struggling and they were worried about how this would impact the future, right? And what I said to them, I said to myself, like it spoke to me. And it was just what it says in Revelation 12, verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I've never shared my testimony in front of a group. And I knew when I said that to the person that I love so much that I needed to say it to myself and I needed to be brave enough to speak out loud. So I am going to overcome him by the word of my testimony. And I just need you guys because I love you and I'm so thankful for you. You have blessed me so much. So Thank you. And I love him. And I'm thankful for God's providence. Of raising him up while I was struggling, unbeknownst to me, and that he's been beside me through all these days and years, because I really couldn't do it without his strength and literally being behind me all the time. So anyway, thank you guys.
0: Amen. You're not awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Michelle wasn't up here to elbow me. Someone elbow you. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Good job.
2: All right, let's baptize some folks. Amen. 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 Heather, are you ready? And it's only fitting, after what you just heard, that her husband is going to lead this moment. church family for sharing this moment with us. It's a true blessing. Heather, I got a couple of questions for you. <laughs> Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God's one and only son? Yeah. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Well, with the profession of your faith, it's a blessing and an honor to baptize you. <laughs> In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: Yes, sir? You do? Good.
2: So up next, we have both Chris and Janelle Green's daughter and son, and they're ready to get baptized this morning. Amen. All right. Which one wants to go first? All right. Come on, Ellie. Come on up. it's a little chilly step all the way down sweetie and just have a seat okay all right so Ellie have you believed in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and that he was raised on the third day, all right, on a profession of your own faith in who Jesus is in your life, and now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Alright, next up we've got Caden Caden, have you put your faith In Jesus Christ alone For your salvation Do you believe that he went to the cross For your sins Do you believe that he rose On the third day we on a profession of your own faith and who Jesus is in your life. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
0: going to get some prayer ministry in the back. So can we give them a hand as they go? All right. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Thank you for being with us. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for being with us on the service. What a good morning. Amen. Amen. You guys have an amazing day, an amazing week. We'll see you here next week. Uh, Devon and Alyssa will be, I'm sorry, Devon will be um, sharing next week, so that'll be exciting. And uh, turn around and greet someone before you leave. We'll see you next week.